Welcome to another episode of Grandma Gears. Today we got the gentleman Josh Hill in with us. How you doing, brother? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? I'm all right. Well, we were just talking before about sick kids and freaking uh, school, but that that is what it is. But I'm sure they'll make a uh, find a way to uh, make that uh, bad now too <laughs> with kids oh. going back to school. Oh, any any sign of sniffling or you know any normal things that are used to be normal, um, yeah. it's gonna be all yeah. I don't... Worrisome and chaotic for people now. What uh, many people don't know is you're a veteran of the fight game. Uh, long time been fighting. You just had one in Bellator, and the decision didn't go your way. But what came out of it was a fucking highlight reel elbow uh, <laughs> <laughs> that went viral. How long were you working on that elbow for? Like, was that something you always do, or was it just like you saw it and you just kind of reacted and did it? I, I've been doing that and and training on pads and stuff for years, um, and it's just something that's it's not something you think about a lot in fights, really. Um, yeah. And I don't know what it was. Uh, I just I think I saw him just kind of like shelling up, and, and you know, I throw an overhand a lot. Um, so I, I, you know, I assume people that watch me fight know that's coming. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just kind of, you know, kind of fake the overhand to get his guard up, and I just, I, I don't know. It's just when when you're flowing, you don't really think about stuff like that. You just do it, right? It just happened. Yeah. It's like a lot of people criticize John Jones for like his high risk stuff. But, yeah. it's like, but he's like, it's not high risk if you're doing it in the gym all the time. And I, yeah. bet, I bet you when he's in there, too, he's like, oh, shit, spin. Right? Because he's a, like nobody at 205 spins, right? At your weight class, 100%. But like, it's like one of those things where you've done it in the gym. You fool around on the pads. You're like, oh, I'll keep it in the tool belt. But then, oh, yeah. shit, there it is. But it was, very, it was very Anderson Silva-esque. The only thing was he didn't crumble to the ground. I know, man. I know. <laughs> it would have been perfect. I, would, I probably would have got like a you know knockout of the year. Um, yeah. Well, it was very. Remember when Anderson knocked out? Was it Tony Frickland? Yeah. 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 It was very similar, except he. This guy didn't crumble. Unfortunately. Yeah, he took it well. He took it well. Credit to him. I. I. I wish I had hit with a little bit more bone rather yeah. than my you know more, tricep area. Yeah, I was more tricep. Still. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. Still rocked him though. Like he was still still rocking. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah, tough kid. Give him credit for, for taking it. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to get the bench on that one. Now you have a lot of difficulties going into that one, right? Uh, injury wise in your body. Oh yeah, man. It's been a. It was probably. It's probably my worst camp. Uh, as far as that, you know, just dealing with shit. I had a, my, you know, I was just, I always deal with back injuries, but it, that, that's been all right. It's been my knee was my main issue in this one. Uh, just. Um, I got got MRI. I got like a broken bone in my knee. I somehow did that. I don't know how. Uh, I have whatever is remaining of my meniscus because I had it taken out like ten years ago. Yeah, that's all ripped up and inflamed and causing inflammation and and uh, locking. And then I have a Baker cyst or whatever. I think that's what it's called, and that's causing inflammation and pain. Um, and then I got an infection on top of that, which looked like it was gnarly looking man i've never seen anything like that in the doctor i saw the photos yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it looked like the toxic avenger and yeah. uh the, the doctor still don't know what it, was. it doesn't help that you're white too like if you're brown at least right. like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like whatever like my wife is white so whenever she gets like a little 
will knock on the skin and like her, her her skin goes black, right? And you're like, oh shit, yeah. what happened? She's like, I don't even know. But like a brown guy gets hit, you're like, oh, it's just just darker yeah. brown there. It's a little tan. <laughs> yeah. It's a little tan. He went tanning, right? <laughs> Exactly. So, so I guess you're going to have to take some time to kind of heal that stuff up and get the, all of that taken care of, right? Yeah, so the, the infection, I, I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to fight because it was like it kept spreading. It started on my knee and it just kept spreading. And, and um, But eventually, fortunately, it went away about a week before the fight. It was pretty much, I still had it in the fight, but you couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um, but I went and got a cortisone shot in my knee just to kind of get me through. I did not want to pull out again. No, I um, you know, I missed my fight in April because of uh, COVID. I got yeah. sick. The one in Hawaii, and, right? Yeah, Hawaii, of course. Yeah, well, fucking. <laughs> yeah, I watched uh, an interview where they're like, uh, you got you to fight all these shitty places like uh, North bro. Dakota or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my, my, I've had five Bellator fights. I, my first one was Oklahoma, which, you know. Yeah, Oklahoma, whatever. whatever. Uh, and then Connecticut. And then the pandemic was Connecticut. Connecticut, it's supposed to be Hawaii. I get sick, can't fight, and then the next one's South Dakota. So it's like I get all the good places. They're going to like Italy, they're going to Ireland, they're going to yeah. Hawaii, um, France, and then I get stuck with these ones. It's a conspiracy. They don't like Josh Hill, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, now you've had because you've had such a long story career, you've had the uh, pleasure of fighting for a bunch of different organizations: Bellator, uh, yeah. Series of Fighting, TKO. Uh, you did stint on the Ultimate Fighter too. Um, what to you was like the main difference between the organizations? Because like everyone always say UFC is the top uh, tier; they do the best. But from my experience and from knowing guys, like we train with some of the similar guys, it's not necessarily the same thing on how you're treated, uh, the pay structure, the production, and just basically. The experience so in your opinion which one of those of all the ones that you had gave you kind of the more memorable experiences um i mean well the ultimate fighter is kind of different right because it's like you're it's a tv show so it's hard to compare that to anything else that it's unique it's it's cool experience um i'm glad i did it i wish i did it at a different time i wish i did it later in my career yeah um but but it was fun you know I, i'm i'm happy i went through with it um, you know, World Series was just kind of in its infancy, and then they eventually turned into PFL, and I think yeah. they're, they're kind of rolling now, and I think they're on a much better platform. And yeah, they're doing well right now. They're getting, they're they're attracting a lot of guys because the pay structure yeah. is a lot different. Yeah, which is cool, and and it's that season, you know, which is different. Um, yeah. um so it's just kind of cool. It's not just another promotion like a fight to fight yeah. type thing. Bellator production value is great. Um, they pay really well. You know what I mean? I think that's a draw too. A lot of people are going to PFL and Bellator now instead of going to the UFC um, because, hey, man. Yeah. And I know so many fighters, especially young fighters, it's like only UFC, 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 yeah. right? Because it's just been ingrained in their heads for however long. And that's cool. I, I get you want to go like the most North American, uh, you know, known show for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but at some point you got to look at like, hey, like you're trying to make money doing this here, right? And yeah. you wanna, you can't fight forever. You never know how long your career is gonna last. So, don't always just go for the, you know, organization for notoriety. Say go for that's gonna you know put money in your pocket. Yeah, there's a guy that I follow online. His name is Nomad Capitalist. He does like relocations for people with moving countries. But his motto is is go to where you're treated best. 
Yeah. So I feel like that's something that the fight community and fighters in general should kind of adopt because, like you said, the it's always like, oh, UFC, because it's the most well-known in North America. But 1FC treats fighters really, really well, pays really, really well, and I don't think you can top an experience like that. Like, I, I love traveling in the States, but going to some of the places where they hold the shows in one, like that's you're not you got to pay lots of money to go on a vacation like that right and you're getting they're flying you out there so i think it's a good lesson for people to kind of go where you're treated best and where you're treated fairly where you feel like your value is as opposed to just going somewhere because oh yeah it's the ufc right 100 percent, man and so i guess that's the combination the best of both worlds is getting good pay for and uh, and also treated uh you know with, with respect and then treated like a high level athlete which we are um and the thing with UFC now, it's like, man, there's just so many fighters, you know what I mean? And they have so many. Every week I see that contender series, like, oh, sign new five, new five more guys. But I'm like, where are all these guys going, right? And that's yeah. why there's such a big backlog of guys not being able to fight. And that's why I think the individualism of fighters is kind of fading. Um, you know that, what I mean? That, that died with the sponsorship of the UFC. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, it was there was a point in time where I was excited to watch fights just to see the entrance and what guys would wear. Like Mayhem Miller was one yeah. of them or, or Tom Lawler. Right. Yeah. Uh, you would, I'd be like, he's not the greatest fighter, but fucking hell when he comes out, I'm entertained as shit. Yeah. But then once the sponsorship came in and capitalism took over, which I'm a fan of capitalism, but it is what it is. It just, in this sense, it didn't work out well right. for the athletes. It kind of lost the individualism, right? Because I know that they were trying to make it like a major sports league, like professional, and everyone's wearing the same shit. But that's the part about martial arts; nobody's the same, right? Yeah, hundred percent, man. And then that's—I I guess it'd be more like corporate based. It kind of went that way. Yeah. You know? And then just everybody looks the same, and it, I think that takes away from it. Um, I like having that individual, you know. It, that's where I came from. We probably started watching the back in the day when, yeah, like you said, Pride Days. I loved how they made the fighters like yeah. modern day warriors, gladiators, you know, and like had the entrances like that were cool. Um, that's what I, I I like that shit, man. And and you can call it like pro wrestling esque, but I think people like that shit and they make a like, make a show of it. They still they still do that in one. Like they have the yeah. girl, the guy, they have the pretty girl doing the freaking DJing shit, and it's like you're like, wow, this is like a party. Like this is entertaining. Like it makes it, I think it does two things. It, it makes the athletes more comfortable because mm-hmm. they can just be their own, right? Uh, and then secondly, it makes the fans a little less asshole-ish in the arena. Like yeah. when, every, when everything is so cut and dry. Here's the music. Here's the guy. Here's the music. Here's the guy. And then when the two guys get in the cage, if it's not a fan friendly fight, then the atmosphere is already hostile. And they're like, fuck you. Just stand them up. Like, no. <laughs> you know where I didn't even mention that the one, the, the place where I really enjoyed fighting was Russia. Yeah. Uh, you, actually, you fought for ACB out there, right? No, it was uh, Fight Nights Global, was, was okay. the promotion I fought for. And um, man, they were, they were great. Like the show that they put on. It was um, like the production value, like they had like, like all, like people swinging from the rafters and like girls like playing like violin and like crazy oh. entrances. It was cool, man. and they had like a rock band. Like they had a very very cool show. And then at the end, like they shot like glitter everywhere. Like it was yeah. just the production value was so cool, and they treated their fighters great. 
Um, like, and they didn't, one crazy thing is they didn't serve alcohol at the venue. Um, so everybody there, I mean, I mean, there's pros and cons of that. You know, I like yeah. having a beer and watching fights for sure, but like, you didn't have the other side of the extreme, like drunk, rowdy asshole that's just causing shit, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then like after the fights, it's like, you know, I was Canadian going in there fighting a Russian, and like it took me like 20 minutes just to like leave the cage and get back to the locker room. People like want to like meet you doing autographs and pictures and stuff like that so they, they just love the fighting culture um so it was, that was a really big pleasure to go there and fight you know it's a, which is not something people hear about right now because of all the shit that's going on in the world they're like oh you just said it's a pleasure of russia you must be an extremist right yeah. <laughs> uh, uh now you've been doing martial arts for a super long time um like i kind of like asking this to a lot of fighters because i like to see what they would do after fighting like, what is your most favorite aspect of martial arts that you would continue doing after your competition days are over? Um, I think about that a lot, man. I, I don't know. Like, I would say I, I, I love to spar, right? I love sparring. Yeah, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it like I'm doing now, you yeah. know, because I you know, try and save what brain cells I have left and uh, be smart about it. Yeah. Um, but I, I would still spar. I just, you know, I do it less and I wouldn't go as hard as my least. Yeah. I do like that. Just, you know, touch sparring around the side. Yeah, right? yeah. I just, yeah, I'd always do that. I, I really enjoy that. And I, and I love grappling, um, you know, wrestling. I do enjoy wrestling, but it's the fucking hardest for sure. Yes, for sure. You know what I mean? And hard on your body. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to cut anything out. Really, I I really want to continue to do every, everything. Um, but I just, realistically, I, we wouldn't be able to do that. Like, no, like no. my my answer will always be jujitsu. Like I yeah. will, I will, I can study. Like there's day, there will be days where I can roll for like ten rolls, eleven rolls. But mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's an art where I can show up the next day. I don't have to roll. Like it's drill right. technique. My yeah. body will be sore. Like you said, though, I'll still always spar. Yeah. But uh not in the same brain cell to the potato way. Yeah. 100% man. I think that'll like and I think I have a built-in aggression that I have to release and, and that that helps. For sure. For sure. Rolling does too, for sure, but like nothing like sparring that, that really gets that out. Well, which art do you get in your flow state the most? Like individual or not mixed martial arts? Sparring. Sparring? Yeah. yeah so kickboxing sure. is your flow state? Like that's where you zone out? Yes. Yeah, I would say that, and and probably in the second would be the grappling. You know, yeah. I'm just gonna roll through things. So I would say those two things would probably be what I'll do the longest. You know, I'll do yeah. some back and forth, you know, striking and stuff like that, and then grappling, wrestling would probably be cut out just because yeah. it's how hard it is on my body. Oh, it's 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 grinding. Like I find that uh, the problem with wrestling is the up and down and the pounding you take from going onto the mat all the time. 100%. So, so something I noticed that I handle better than other people is because I have a bigger body type. Like I can I have the cushion, so to speak, to fall <laughs> <laughs> to fall down every time. Where I see some of the guys that are leaner, yeah, they'll get like weird hip bruises and kind of stuff like that from the constant break falling on the mats and the constant takedowns. For sure. Do you find that that's your kind of something that happens to you at your weight class? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and especially with wrestling, I think it's like you're, you have another guy, you're carrying his weight sometimes and, and you can't control it. Like with, you're just doing like squats or something like that, you can control the weight and where it goes. But when you're trying to, you're getting under somebody's hips and they're sprawling out on you. It's like, 
all that weight on your back and you can't really manipulate where you want to, you know, put that weight, you know, ideally because he's moving. So I think that's where a lot of the injuries happen, things like that. And then obviously when somebody's wrenching on your neck and snapping oh, yeah. you down. The neck is the worst. The like yeah. the other day, my wife was driving and she said, oh, my neck is sore. I can't even look one way. I'm like, that's like every night after she Every day. I like yeah. change lanes like this. I'll get to the I'll get to the gym and I'll be like okay I'm changing and then I'll leave the gym like fuck I gotta oh. <laughs> uh, or uh, that's how I got good at using my mirrors. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah. Now you've been fighting so long. Uh, you've had what over thirty? Is it thirty fights you've had? Uh, I've had twenty six. So you're you're coming close to thirty, yeah. right? Um, now, that is rough on any fighter. Just ten, five. Like finan yeah. financially, like not we're not talking about um the wear and tear on your body. Like for for a lot of people, they don't know fighting doesn't pay well, especially at the start. Uh, yeah. And even if you do get to that long career point, it still doesn't pay that well. How do you kind of make that balance? Keeping your guys like you have a family, you have a wife, you have kids. How do you kind of make that balance where you have to sacrifice so much money because you have to travel sometimes? Because I know you do some camps in Alpha Male. Yeah. Um, do you do you invest? What do you do to kind of make sure that you know, outside of the cage, Josh Hill's life is kind of taken care of? Um. Yeah, you're right. It, it's it's tough, man. You don't make much money in the sport unless you're at the, the highest level. Um. It, it. I've always had another job as I've come up. You know, what I mean, I've never just fought ever yeah. until recently, and even now, I'm not just fighting. Still, really, I'm doing other things as well, but. Um, yeah, I've always had a part-time jobs coming up and, and then I opened a gym in 2016, but again, you know, anyway, the gym business, you know, you're not making money for the first while, <laughs> you know what I mean? And especially a fighter gym, you're not making money, you need a recreational gym to make some goals. But, um, but I've always done other things. I've been pretty good with my money. Um, I'm cheap, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm not, you know, you're brown, you're brown by, by heart. <laughs> yeah. I'm not buying $3,000 suits and fancy watches and things like that. Um, but, um, you know, I've, you know, I have a, a rental property. I think real estate is probably one of the best investments you can do. And that's something I want to continue to do. Like I was, I was fortunate when I met my wife, she already had a home as well. Okay. So we kind of had two homes coming together. Um, so, so that's been a, a Pro for sure but um but yeah it's it's tough man like you're gonna have to do something else and you're gonna have to do something else most likely after you're done fighting too yeah for and sure. that's kind of the phase where i'm entering where it's like i'm trying to set things up for after i'm done because i don't want to just be done one day and have nothing you know what i mean because that's that's my biggest fear. which is the problem with a lot of guys they put all like, they put all their eggs into one basket Right. And and I get you kind of have to to be able to yes, go to the highest level, right? So it, it's very difficult, man. That's why it's if you're not 100% committed to this, you're not going to make it to those, you know, the upper echelon of the sport. But at the yeah. same time, you got to balance trying to have something else to. But there there are guys who have had like look at um, there's two good examples. Shane Carwin, he was a full time engineer and still oh. made it to the pinnacle of the sport. And then Stipe Majocic, who's still a full-time firefighter and s still one of the best in the world. So, like, you, you can do it. So, like, I think that sometimes it's a bit of a cop-out for certain athletes where I just want to focus on fighting only. And, yes, they might do super well, but I feel like it hampers them in other aspects of their life. And then when it's over, like, uh, I was listening to Ian McCall, like, 
he's like when he was done fighting he just wanted to kill himself right or because that became your total identity so like for the three or four hours you're training in the gym all day that's all that's your whole identity which is not you're only in the gym for a, a select amount of time of the day you know what are you doing with the other hours right are you bettering yourself somehow or are you coming up with something else that you can do right so right. i think that's, that's something that I feel like it's a cop out sometimes that they use it. So a lot of people use it to justify why they don't want to do more work, right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely those people. I think I think that's that's true. Um, but I think it's like when you're trying to do this as your job and make this a career, yeah. it's like you go on a you know you go to the gym in the morning, you train for two hours, you come home, you rest to recover, you eat, then you go back to the gym for another however many hours. And by the time the whole day is done, you're and it's probably like an eight hour day. Yeah. Right. So that's like a, a, a full time job. Right. So it's I think it's you, you know, wouldn't bad an eye to somebody else that's doing that at an office job. You know, that's just what they do every day. They're not trying to better. Well, I'm sure some people, which I hope they are, but yeah. they're not trying to better themselves or get set up another career outside of their job. And I think fighters think that way, too. Um, the, the mistake they make is they think they can do this forever or yeah. they think eventually, you know, I'll, do, I'll figure it out later. I'll figure it out later. Um, but yeah, that. I, I remember saying the same shit. Yeah. I remember like, and now I'm 35 years old, and it's like I'm entering that time where it's like getting towards the end of my career. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah it goes by fast. I gotta say that. I remember being the young guy in the gym, and like being like 24, and all these guys are in their early 30s that I'm training with, and they were the old guys, and they're telling me, you know, you'll get there soon, you'll see. <laughs> and now I'm there, and uh, yeah, it goes by. Fast. And I feel like that too because uh, like me and you have talked before uh which we'll get to in a second about your other business that you do but uh i've had so many injuries where like when i was 25 i was relatively injury free and then right. they kind of and then uh, you know as soon as we decided to turn professional it's like here bam 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 surgery whatever right and like for a good three or four years, I still held on to that little notion in my head where oh, I still, I still, once I'm done with this surgery and I'm recovered, I'm going to be the best and fucking train all day. And then it, it, it hits you. You don't have any control over it too. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like a lot of the things that happened in my example, which everyone's examples are different, but my examples were freak accidents. Right. Yeah. Uh, which happened in the sport. And then, you know, some guys, those accidents happen. They're only out for a month or two. Unfortunately for me, it was you know a while, right? But then there are all the, the there's also the other examples of people like me as well who have those injuries have to take significant time off. But because uh, brains are not bashed in in their twenties, they're able to have longer successful careers into their forties, right? Randy right. Couture. Uh, look at um, who's that beast? He's in Bellator now. Uh, Yoel Romero, right? Yeah. Right, because he didn't start really competing MMA until his mid uh, early thirties, right? So, right, yeah. So, yeah, uh, there is that trade off too, right? It, it is a sport. It's not like the NFL. It's not where you're three years and done. Yeah, I mean, the, the the difference being your three years, you probably made more money than any MMA. <laughs> than any. So yeah. that's fine. You can live off that probably three years for the rest of your life, or at least invest it properly where you can you know make your money. Yeah, um, but with us, man, like you said, you got injured. You didn't get you can get shit. I didn't get, get shit. You know what I mean? Same with same with me. When I get injured, it's like you don't make it paid, and that's the biggest hurdle. Um, and that's where I think like you talk about fighter pay and all that shit. Where sure everybody wants more fighter pay, but I'd rather have more guarantee that like I'm making a salary. Um, yes. so then I can then you can just focus on 
fighting as a career. That's your job. And if you do get hurt, which their chances are pretty high, yeah, um, that you're actually taken care of. Now, what do you think about a union? That's always been talked of. I'm very mixed on it because when I see examples from real life, like uh, business world, unions are very um, sneaky, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to generalize this because I know there are some unions for different things that do take care of their employees and do take care of but at the end of the day a lot of the unions are funneling money a lot of guys are getting taking money from those unions to benefit themselves and not benefit the employees right um which is why i think a lot of fighters are apprehensive about it uh Mm -hmm. what is what is your thoughts on that because it's been talked about for years a couple people have tried it um hasn't come to fruition do you think it's ever going to happen? Uh, if I had to pick, I would, I'd be all for it. Yes, I would be. Uh, I think you're going to have a corruption at every single thing you do. Yeah. And this sport in life, there's always going to be people that just kind of ruin it for, for others. Um, so you're going to have to deal with that. But I think it, it's better off with that than how it is now. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And and like, if you want to go UFC, for example, how much money they're making. If If they weren't making as much as they were, then I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be harping on getting, you know, higher fighter pay. Yeah. But when you see the pie is growing and growing and growing, you should get a bigger piece of that pie as well. Yeah. Right. Um, and but what's the entry level now? Is it still like 12 and 12 for? for I thought it was, I, I thought UFC was 10. 10, 10. Yeah, it might still be. It's, it's one or the other, but still, man, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To, like I, that, for all of my pro fights, the limited amount that I've had, I've spent at least five to six thousand just getting ready for it right between, between the extra sessions with coaches food nutrition supplements uh extra travel to different places to train like it doesn't even cover the cost of the preparation right mm-hmm. and then where there's that guaranteed bullshit right like it's uh, like oh yeah. it's like oh you get 10 to show but if you win who the fuck's not trying to win right yeah i'm so against that man I, that, that that pisses me off more than everybody's like oh yeah an incentive to win type no bullshit you know if, i always said to somebody if somebody said okay you can get like 50 grand to show 50 grand to win say and or they said you can take seventy five thousand bucks 100 percent like guaranteed money yeah I, I would take that oh, I, yeah, there's so sure. there's so many chances or, and so many factors of, of ways to lose in the sport especially decisions right yeah like you get a decision where you know we've seen robberies all day long it's happening you get cut you know what I mean? An accidental headbutt, a no contest it turns into. You get a DQ. You blow your knee out in the first round. You know, you after even if you're winning. You blow your knee out in warm-ups. Some guys get hurt in warm-ups and they can't right? fight, right? Yeah. There's so many variables. And so it does not, like, another reason why it doesn't benefit the fighters. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm all for that. I think you should, you know, like, like I said, I it, this is my views. If you sign to a major organization, you get a, a yearly salary. You know what I mean? Or just say I'm, say it's a hundred grand, whatever. You get a hundred grand for that year. So there you go. You're guaranteed that hundred grand. So you can not work or whatever you want. Just focus on that. And that's guaranteed money. You know what yeah. I mean? And in that time you get offered your fights. Um, you know, you have to accept a certain amount of fights or whatever. Um, and you get bonuses for those fights. So you get an extra, you know, for this fight, you're making an extra, whatever, 30, so, 50. So you would, you're, you're proposing, okay, so it's a base salary. So say you're uh, a beginner, uh, new to the organization, so it's maybe 50K, right? And then under that contract, you might have to fight two or three times in the year. 
but for those two or three fights, instead of it being fluctuating pay, you say you get 15 to show, 15 to win, right? Something like that. Or So the pay would actually be lower, but you have a base salary. So at the end of the year, there's potential you can clear over 100 as a beginner, right, if you yeah. win. But you still are able to cover cost of living, so to speak, uh, with the yeah. base salary. I would do something like that. I'd do yeah, the base salary, you're guaranteed. And for your fight, you're getting... Fifteen, or I just say, throwing numbers out there. You get fifteen thousand dollars, and then you can. There's another. You get a finish, and another ten grand. Yeah. So you want to do an incentive, incentivize. There's an incentive, right? Yeah. But you're still guaranteed that money, and then of course the bigger names will make more money per fight, like a column. Yeah. Well, that's a different proposal to what has has been already been out there. Uh, I think one of the apprehensions people have is paying into the union, right? Uh, because as you know as well as I do, there's a lot of bums out there who don't train hard, who just take fights on a day's notice. Like you, yeah. like you, Have you ever looked up a guy's record and you'd be like, he's like 2 and 30? You're like, who the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, but I think a lot of people feel like those people aren't entitled to that piece of the pie. Uh, do you think, right. do you think, because they're not taking it as seriously as the people who, you know, even if, you know, we've seen fighters who are great fighters with, you know, even records, right? But if you have a certain record, do you think that that should reflect if you're eligible for that? It gets dicey there for sure, because then you know, you then you're gonna well, you get this anyway now, but you're gonna have somebody that fights twenty of those guys that you just mentioned, yeah, twenty no and fought, you know, literally no one, um, just to get into the union or whatever it is. Um, it, it's that's a tough call for sure. I don't think it should be for every. I don't think a guy that's one and zero. Should be getting the same as somebody that's you know in the sport for however long and has put in the time and work and and you know um, years. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe as monks like the the top of the heap. If you're assigned with a major organization, yeah, you know, this could happen. Something like that. I don't know. It it would be it's difficult, man. Every way you look yeah. at it, it's, there's hurdles. Yeah, I don't know. But it's something that. It has to happen in the future, but I think it's got a long way to go before it actually comes to fruition. Oh, yeah, we'll be long retired before if that ever happens. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think the only way it comes to fruition is if the um, the organization heads start to bend to it, right? Because they're, they're very resistant to it because obviously it affects their bottom line. Mm -hmm. uh, but the only way that kind of happens is if they're receptive of it. I don't think there's any other way. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like women's MMA. At first, Dana was like, "No, women will never fight in the UFC." And then he said, "Fuck it, fight." Finally, Ronda, Ronda comes along. Right. So it's good. They're hack, and it's unfortunate. There might have to be something really terrible that has to happen. Yeah. Uh, before that kind yeah. of security has to happen. I mean, it's happened in boxing. Right. right. Um. Now I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Uh. Because there's something uh, that you do on the side, uh, another business that you have with mental coaching, which, yeah. I've which I've taken advantage of. So shout out to you. Thank you for that. And uh, Cerebro yeah. Champion. Um, what kind of got you into I, – I know you've done interviews on that kind of stuff before, so I don't want to like redo it. But what kind of got you into wanting to make it like a, a business and, and really pursue it? Uh, well, just – you know, kind of talking about what, we, what we've just been talking about, like something after fighting, you know what I mean? Um, I don't want to just have, like, be that fighter that has nothing after he's done and has nothing to show for it and has to go work at Walmart. You know what I mean? I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I just, it was something that I always struggle with. Um, my whole career, um, you know, up until I don't know, my late twenties, maybe, you know, 30, um, that I always had dealt with performance anxiety. I did not perform like I could potentially like I do in the gym. Uh, I don't showcase all my, my, my skills. And that was due to just, you know, nerves, anxiety, fears, all these things that I didn't know how to deal with. And, um, one day I was just, I was injured. I was had an injury and I was just like, I'm just going to work on this shit while I can, while I have downtime. I started reading books. The first book I read was uh, Mind Gym, okay. which is still one of my favorites. Uh, and I just kind of, I just it sparked an interest in me that I really, really got fascinated with. And I just started reading more and more. And uh, I went back to school. I went to an online school. Um, and I, it took me about a year and a half to get that done. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, man, then I started just opened up my own practice, Cerebral Champion. And, I, and I've worked with, I don't even know how many people I've worked with now, 20-something people, maybe 30 now. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's going well, you know, I'm getting good, positive feedback and, uh, I, I enjoy helping people because I know what it's like. I, I've yeah. been in their shoes. Now, do you, do you see this being like something that you're going to do very long term and kind of build off of it and make it something like Josh Hill's cerebral champ that that's what you're going to be known for after? I hope so. You know, I, I, I there's not one thing I want to do. I don't want to do yeah. one thing for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? I really yeah, don't. I you know, so that is one thing I would like to do and like to build it up to, to, you know, um, to a level where I can make a, an actual living on it for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I enjoy being my own boss. I, I can't go back to working for people now, no, man. No, me neither. You know, me neither. It sucks. You know, I, I hate it. So that's something I can schedule my own thing and work around. I can work from home or I can work from anywhere doing yeah. that. So I really, really like that and I want to build it up. But yeah, there's other things I want to do. I still want to be involved with MMA. You know, yeah. I do love it. Um, so whether that's, you know, I do commentary for BTC, yeah. that's something I'd like to expand on more of. Um, I, I would like to do, get maybe get into the management side of things because, you know, I coach a few guys now and kind of manage them as well. And, and yeah. uh, I do enjoy getting people opportunities and things like that. So uh, and I have enough connects in the world now in the MMA world. So that those are things I, I, I want to do um, and I could see myself doing after I'm done. Well, and you've had the. Uh the blessing of being able to travel to so many different places too. Like your, right. your career hasn't always been like mine has only been in the Canada and the U S but you have been able to travel different places and build those connections too. Right. Yeah, man. I got like, I've been really fortunate. And even like, even when, like every time I go to Alpha too to train out there, I, I meet somebody from somewhere else. Like I have friends in France and Ireland and Switzerland and England all over the place now. So uh, Tokyo. So like, yeah, it's uh, I've been fortunate. I got to meet a lot of people, um, and you know, I've traveled to Brazil to train. I fought in Romania. I fought in Russia, and you know, all through the states and Canada. Um, yeah, man, uh, it's uh, been it's been good. Now, does do you only want to work with athletes with that business, or are you working with regular folk who also deal with performance anxiety, say for a big business meeting or a big presentation that they have to do, a conference, something like that to perform at, where they're not necessarily used to doing something like that. Right. I um. Originally, I was just kind of focused on athletes, but I do have actually a friend who is, he's not an athlete, and he was, uh, he hit me up about it, and then we, we started talking, and it, and, and it works both ways, and it works in every avenue of your life, whether that's in a boardroom, or whether that's on, in, on the field, or in the cage, or whatever, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely open to, to working with people of all walks of life, because I think it can correlate to, to across the board. All right, uh, and I'm going to even shift gears now even more, because I know... 
this is this uh you've been shadow banned on instagram a lot, <laughs> a lot so have i um for different things that are going on and i wanted to talk to you about this because yeah. you know fighting is one thing but like like we said life is there's so if, I, if I post this, nobody's gonna see it because yeah, I, I, I see my shit. Yeah. Uh, now you've been kind of vocal about some of the stuff that's going on, and I wanted to get kind of uh, some feedback of like when you got COVID earlier, and you because you actually had to publicly kind of declare it because you had to pull out of the fight, and yeah. obviously they published that. Did you get any hate? uh from people being like oh because of your stance of how you how you were and like, like i want to clarify you weren't we were none of us are anti-covid or whatever the fucking anti-label they want to put on us we were just more against the certain direction that has been taken uh during this time uh did you get any pushback from people being like hey fuck you they got covid now i hope you like because like <laughs> i hope you suffer I <laughs> actually I did not get much to be honest. Uh, I thought I was gonna get a bunch of people, you know, kind of chirping a little bit, but yeah. um, it was more in jokingly. People were like, "Oh, yep, see, you know, shouldn't have talked to you about vaccines and things." But no, it was uh, it wasn't too bad. And and like I said to everyone, like you just kind of clarified, like I'm not I'm not an anti-vaxer. You know what I mean? I'm not an anti-medicine. I'm not and you know any of this shit. I'm anti. Uh, you know, taking away people's freedoms and rights and then making mandates and all that bullshit hundred yeah. percent. And that's where, you know, I've been very, very outgoing on, on, on that. But, uh, but yeah, as far as that, I, I thought more people were kind of shoot on. Yeah. They're hate on you a little bit. Right. But so uh, being shadow banned and all that, cause I know you've posted about it. Like um, how, how does that affect your ability to, just communicate like business like your brand right because like yeah. we said like we like we said individuality is important especially in mma but just in general how does it affect you like i, I wouldn't say financially but how does it affect you to not be able to just be able to pro show people who josh hill is really like your real personality and and, and that kind of stuff if i wasn't if i didn't do what i do for a living like if i was just if i worked at whatever to some office job and i i probably wouldn't even have social media to be yeah. honest um, i don't give like give a shit about it but as far as what i do unfortunately in the world we live in now 2022 it's all about following popularity yeah. and you know, all this shit and who's making the most noise and so and even sponsorship wise like they right away look at your followers now yeah it's not who you are as an athlete so, oh he's got fifty thousand followers okay perfect you know what i mean yeah so in that sense it hurts me big time and uh now it's hurting me even more yeah um because i'm covered up. even like when you talked about that video my, my up bubble that went viral um they posted i wasn't even tagged in that i don't think like i my um you know when it says like yeah josh i think i was tagged in it but i wasn't like it didn't show my, my actual full thing because i think when you type in my name or at least it was it might be gone now but when you type it in like if you type in the first couple hours usually it pops up you have to type in my full name and sometimes even that people couldn't find. Yeah. Same, same with me. And that like, you know, uh, we like from the podcast, I've been getting super good responses on, on my metrics that I have, but then it doesn't reflect on social media. Cause it will be like, if I right. was to post a story and it was a controversial story, I talked about vaccines or jabs or whatever. Um, they would shadow ban me. So I'd get like 10 story views. Whereas yeah. that, whereas 
I posted something like with my kids, like three or four days later, and I would get like 400, 500. I'm yeah, like, see? Oh, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense there. Right? I had the same shit, man. Same shit. I'm just like, you know, I even hate saying it, but like likes, like however many likes you get on the thing, it's like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't have that big of a following. I don't like three or four thousand people, whatever it is. But like, it would be like, oh yeah, you get like two hundred likes, hundred fifty likes, and then my other post would be like twelve. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's like, how does that make any sense? Something's wrong there, right? Well, it, and and it it is a form of censorship, and it, and it is happening, and I, and that's why I want to talk about it because. People need to know that it's happening. Like, if but you, you can even when when sorry to interrupt when yeah. you like when you tag me and shit. Yeah, it's like, are you sure you want to tag Josh Hill? <laughs> what he says is, or or even if you try to follow me, it it yeah. puts up a warning. It says, are you sure you want to follow? I bet Jeff you. Stuff? I bet you the direction we're headed. People yeah. like us, our accounts will be have like a red check mark next to it, and like the extremist check mark. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Probably. And then, uh, and that I bet you that what's what's gonna start happening, right? Uh, well, even like if you look this past weekend, the hashtag Trudeau must go, trending on Twitter, and then last night they removed it from the trending list because it was doing too much, right? So, so crazy, man. Right. And, and like I don't even use Twitter that much. I just uh, somebody told me, hey, put put a post up. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then. The hate, like Twitter is probably the most toxic environment. I don't yeah. use it very often. I open I it once, once a month maybe to post something for the podcast. It is the most toxic social media platform on the planet. Like yeah. if you spend your time on Twitter, you have no life because it's just – you're just being attacked. And and if you respond back, these I don't even know who, if they're real people or not. But it, And it's illogical arguments and like yeah. – that shit can consume your life and make you fucking crazy. And like, yeah, Twitter yeah. is one of the most disgusting places on the internet. And miserable. Yeah, I got rid. I'm. I got. I took a social media break for a while, and and uh, which was good. Um, yeah. But like I said, what I do is kind of hard not to with social media. But when I came back to Twitter, the other thing, Instagram and Facebook came back fine. But when I went back to my Twitter, I think I had like same thing, like three or four thousand followers when I when I deleted it. When I came back after thirty days, it wipes you out. Ugh. So I had to start again at zero. So I just said, "Fuck it." I mean, just, yeah. Now, where where this you've had the ability to travel outside of this country because of your because uh, of you had fights like you said in Connecticut and stuff like that. But it, it's hard for people to kind of grasp this because some people haven't traveled. Yeah. How different is it in the U.S.? Than in Canada, in terms of just the response to COVID and your experience of being able to just leave the country, man, it, going into the states, it like it felt like I was like jailbreaking. Honest to God, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm getting, I walk up to the thing, and I'm like on the wall, and they shine that light on you, like you know. And but then I, when I get through, it's like, oh, I made it. Like I shouldn't have to feel that. Yeah, and, you know, I'm trying to leave and come back to my country. Going to the states was was fine. It was been easy. Yeah, and I and speaking with a lot, I have some people that um, a couple of border agent friends too, and they they're fed up with the, all this shit too. Like they hate doing this. They hate all the changes every week. Um, and by going to the states, the states guys, they're like they don't give a shit. Man. They're like they're done with this. They're over it. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough that like you know I go and I have a working visa, so I can go and 
into the states. Yeah. You know, Dean goes social. Which is <laughs> it's just fucking stupid, right? Oh my god! Like, I yeah, it just it's so crazy how I can say somebody's essential and somebody's not. To me, that's just insanity. It's everybody's trying to make a living and put food on the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's crazy. But but yeah, it's uh, and then coming back to Canada, man, like it's like some of those people that just like they're just they enjoy like power tripping for sure but they enjoy making your life difficult to do this like i fortunately haven't had any real issues but i know a lot of people that have been fined you know i got one buddy that was fined like 12 grand you know what i mean just coming home for just coming home home. you know i mean just going to your house and if you whether like you know you've already done a test and like they want you to do another test or if they want you to isolate like it's just it's so crazy um and they're still doing this stuff which yeah. is nothing. Well, well, here's where I want to see things go because last night, God help him, Joe Biden did a fucking interview on 60 Minutes and it was terrible. If you can't see the mental decline, you're a fucking yeah. moron. Um, blinders, man. People put blinders. Yeah, if you don't see the mental decline, you're a fucking moron. I'm saying that yeah. to the camera right now. You're a fucking moron. <laughs> uh, but he declared the pandemic over. He said the fucking pandemic is over. So I'm interested in seeing, well, the US said that. Let's see what. Uh, Justin dipshit Trudeau goes yeah. along with now because if the U.S. is pushing that narrative and and the Democrats are pushing that narrative, I there's not much leeway he has in order to keep things going the way it's going here. Right. Uh, like, like you said, it's like you feel like a prisoner in your own country where you you get you get out and you're like, oh, fuck, right? I think a lot of Canadians feel that regardless of if they took the jab or not, right? Because I know yeah. a lot of people who quote quote did the right thing and aren't extremists and they're fed up with the bullshit yeah and a lot of people took it under pressure under force and they didn't they didn't want to do that majority yeah and they're they they're fed up with the bullshit um so i'm interested to see how this kind of plays out because when the u.s says that especially a democratic president right uh there's not much leeway Trudeau has to keep going the way he's going. You know what I mean? Now, as my, my conspiracy theorist mind <laughs> will take over, and I think you can only push an agenda for so long until people either clue in or they've had enough of it, and then a resistance forms. So what I think might happen, maybe, is they're going to transition from COVID to everything's climate control change. Climate change, yeah. And then we have to do certain things or can't do certain things that are going to you know, regulate that or else you're bad for the environment. Well, not I don't know if you saw the uh, article. I forgot where it posted it, um, but they were blaming uh, climate change for increase in lack of activity for kids or yeah. people outside. Like, are you fucking mor- moronic or stupid? Like, like, what do you say? You're saying it's getting so horribly warm outside. Kids can't yeah. go and exercise. Yeah. Last time I checked in fucking Canada, that was a good thing. <laughs> last time I checked in Canada, that would make every child happy as fuck. They're like, oh, it's not freezing minus 30. I'm going outside to fucking play with my friends. Yeah. Right? The, the logic behind it doesn't make sense. And I think you're right. I don't think you're a conspiracy theorist at all. Right? It's And and we're going to go viral for that shit. I'm going to post that. <laughs> you're not, it, it, I, I, see the, I see the cues that are happening. Um and they did it they did it they tried to do it earlier on in the year with the ukraine war it didn't work out uh people kind of kind of, i wouldn't say gave up on that but they kind of didn't buy into that and yeah. and like you'll see it every three three four or five weeks and fox news is guilty of this too they're all guilty of it they'll they'll push like oh world war three is coming 
Yeah, it's a potential. But don't fucking do a whole news piece on it and try to scare people, right? Yeah, scare tactics, man. I, I, I don't, I don't watch any news, any mainstream news, anyway, because I just even whether it's right or left, I don't care. Yeah. Just because it's just, it's just bullshit, man. It's nonsense. It's just, I, I, I don't know. I've have, I have family members that I've, I've been definitely been the black sheep for a family class yeah. during this shit, especially in the earlier times when I was really uh, resistant to all that nonsense. And they're just like, you know, I've had friends, family, acquaintances, everybody just saying like. Man, just like, just do it for, just do it, just because then your life's easier. Just do it, because then you can, you know, do this, you can travel, just do it. And it's like, no, man, it's not about that. It's like, uh, I just, it, I shouldn't have to just do anything because of being told to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it just, I, we, in January of last year, me and my wife took the kids and we lived in Florida for a month. Yeah. And man, like the, the, the people, I mean, there's still people there that care about it and like they, they want to wear a mask, wear your mask, whatever you want. I don't agree with it, but if you want to do it, cool. Um, but it was just like the freedom to do what you want, right? And that's ultimately what everybody wants. Um, and so it was just like coming back into Canada after being there. It was like, fuck. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? Now, yeah. now, after experiencing that and being back here, do you see Canada somewhere where you're going to continue to want to live if it continues down this path? Buddy. If I did not have children, I'd already be gone. You know, if it was just me and my wife, I'd already be gone. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I would like to leave here, to be honest, of Ontario. Um, the main the main thing that's keeping me here is my family, of course. You know what I mean? Um, I don't want to just leave all my parents and siblings and things like that, uh, which sucks. Um, you know, if my wife could get a job elsewhere, um, that would be ideal. I also do have a stepson. Um, yeah. you know, here, so, you know, him with his dad, his situation that, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with that as well. So it's not as easy just to, you know, pick pack up and go. And go. Yeah. Um, but ideally, yes, I would, I would much rather be living that. And there's a couple of places we've been looking at that I would really like to go to. Yeah. Um, Cause I've, I've had it with Ontario. We're, we're in the same boat. Like, uh, we've given ourselves a timeline, uh, yeah. uh, next, which is next fall. And, you know, our, but both for both me and my wife, our heart is set on when this is not going to be our final. Like we're not going to be here forever, right? And it, and it, it it's shitty to say this, but like the pandemic opened my eyes up to a lot of the flaws that we have here, and and right. it doesn't need to be necessarily political, but a lot of the flaws. Like one of the things I just did some research on. Like everyone's all upset. Oh, I don't think ever because most people I talk to don't give a fuck about the queen dying and all that kind of shit, right? Yeah. Um, so I, 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 for the first time, I've actually did some like dating. I'm like, you know, what's the difference between uh, democracy, monarchy, and like a republic, right? And I actually found out that the difference is, is that when you have a democracy, monarchy, like Canada does, and a lot of the Commonwealth places, the majority outrules the minority. So the minority never gets a say if the majority rules whereas in a republic that's not the sense that's not the case because the majority whatever they want can't overturn the constitution so like the u.s is a great example of it and why as flawed as they are people can't be taken advantage of because right. you can say i want to mandate this this and this this and this and take away your guns and all that kind of stuff but 
the God-given rights under the Constitution are protected for the minority, whereas in Canada that's not the case. So when I did my research and found that out, I'm like, well, maybe I want to live somewhere where it's more of a republic democracy, right? right? Then uh, set and build my base and foundation to the next 30, 40 years of my life where I'm going to yeah. make the most money I'm ever going to make and set up my retirement and all that somewhere where if a majority of people say, fuck you, Ashton, the majority of people say, fuck you, Ashton, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 keep, I feel exactly the same way. And I feel like what is best for my kids' futures. And I don't think it's here, man. Yeah. And setting aside the, you know, the restrictions and mandates and being a very authoritarian place for a long time here and during this pandemic, um, the cost of living is crazy. The housing is insane. You know, good luck to anybody that's you know, under I, I've been, I, I've been priced. I've been priced out. I've been priced right. Yeah, that's and, what I mean. And we we have money. It's not like we can't. But I don't want to be house poor. Yeah, yeah, and and just like the amount of people here, the trying to get a job here. Um, it, I, I, the weather sucks. And I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, there's just been. I've had a lot of family members that were from here, like me, born and raised in Hamilton, and they moved away and they came back for a time being, and they couldn't take it. They left again. Yeah. And I always kind of wondered why, and now I understand. Um, and and I'll ask you this about like because you said about the states, um, when you were like when you were brought up in school and and life and whatever, were you always kind of like told like Canada is a better place? You're lucky you live in Canada. The states is gun crazy and it's just nuts and Canada's the politest place to be and and it's kind of like Canada's better than than the states. Yes, a hundred percent. And yeah. and it's a narrative that was pushed on me for so long. Yeah, and, and then I kind of like woke up to it. I'm like, you know, when they say that the American dream and you're like, well, why? And then yeah. you start critically thinking the why is because it's the freest place on the planet, despite its flaws. Right. Yes. And also people don't recognize like the Canadian government likes to do this a lot on both sides, conservatives and and fucking liberals. They like to use statistics from the U.S. to compare to Canada, but the population yeah. sizes. And it's yeah. 10, 15, it's, it's way different. There's so many more people in the U.S. than there is here. But the fact that all culture, all modern-day culture comes from the U.S. Like, And, yeah. I, and Joe, Joe Rogan was talking, I forgot, he was talking about this with um, some comedians from the U.K. It's the fact that... I listened to that one. I like those guys. Yeah, you, you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, I forgot their names. But um, it's the fact that in the U.S., you have the freedom to do what you want so because of that because for example let's look at comedy i can tell a racist joke about a fucking brown guy a black guy whatever and it's viewed as as comedy whereas mm -hmm. in the uk uh it's frowned upon or in like canada now it's like oh yeah. that's not an inclusive fucking joke right so yeah. uh the united states has to gives creators and artists and athletes and everyone the freedom to be creative and that's why most of the culture that you see around the world is adopted from american culture right a lot of, and like 100%. look at canada look at some of the biggest shows on tv i don't even fucking watch i don't have network television i don't have cable but yeah. canada's got talent canada's next best singer those yeah. are all american-based television shows Canadian. yeah that you're just ripping off and yeah. so then we just go and tell kids oh you don't want to be in the U.S. 
Well, then yeah. why are we ripping off their culture? I brought I brought this up to uh, Belinda Carahelios, the the girl who runs the Ontario New Blue. I didn't think I got anywhere with that, but I was like, when you I was a football player coming up, I didn't tell myself I wanted to go play for UFT, right? Yeah. I was like, I want to go play in the NCAA. Right? Yeah. I didn't want to I, like. We are so hellbound on saying that Canada is better than the U.S. in all these different ways, and in some ways it is. I'm not hating on. I love. I love Canada, um, but why do we want to export talent so much then? Why do we send doctors over the? Do- I I know three or four doctors, high profile doctors, who left Canada to go there for better pay, yeah. um, and for better access to better better equipment and and medicine and being able to further their research other than in in Canada. So yes. we're so hellbound on on criticizing the U.S. Yet we don't give them the credit they deserve when they actually are doing some very positive things. One hundred percent. There's a reason why they're the most um, you know sought out place to be for immigration. You know what I mean? Yeah. Than the most immigrants anywhere in the world every year. Um, you know, listening to um, and I'll say his name. Everybody's like, "Oh, you're right. You're right wing bigot." Now it's like I was listening to Stephen Crowder a lot. Yeah, I like him. I like him. Yeah, I, I like him too. I think he's funny and I, I think he's logical in most things. I, I agree with not everything, but a lot of the things with him. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he was saying, he's Canadian. I didn't know he was Canadian. Um, oh, I didn't know that either. No. Yeah, he was born and raised in Quebec and he left Canada. And, he, you know, he, he just talked exactly what we talked about, seeing all the things um, he was kind of told that the U.S. is that, you know, you don't want to go there. You don't want to do this. Canada is a better place. And kind of listed all the things that, you know, what what the, the liberties that you have in the states and the amendments and all the things like that that you don't have um and how like you know why do we still have speaking of the queen why do we still have this monarchy why is this still a big thing why do we still have to earn our money you know and be like oh because you know we're a, we came from britain but like you know the states fought their way out of that you know we didn't yeah right so it's like i respect that you know what i mean they they literally fought for their freedom yeah and and people are gonna give me flack for this. I'm gonna say this because I don't get, I don't give a shit. That's why it's called Grants My Gears. I say Kings of Grants My Gears. But like, we sit here and I know her funerals today, and everyone's probably gonna be oh, praise the queen. Well, yeah. I'm not talking about her in general because I don't know her, so I can't criticize the person. But there are photos of the family shaking hands with Hitler. There is evidence that they're responsible for slavery. Yeah right there's countless atrocities like look at prince andrew motherfucker was on epstein island raping little girls and now he's in a fucking car driving around like he's some like those are like immediate red flags and i think it is the so-called king now he's on the world economic forum preaching one world governments one world militaries one world this there will be more pandemics and then we have pierre polyev hailing the king in his fucking acceptance piece Right, I thought you were. Anti, I thought you were anti WEF, Pierre. Why yeah. are you hailing somebody who's in the fucking WEF? Right. I, so, I agree. I, and and I like I, that's that. I, I kind of threw me off there. I, I do like Pierre what he says. And yeah, he, same. Has a lot of the things he's saying. Um, and like I said about the Queen, anytime anybody loses a family member, I feel for the family and friends yeah. of the people. I'm not, you know, that's not cool. Like, no, we're all human, that's, right? We're all human. Yeah, we're all human, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, everything you said, all those things that go along with the monarchy throughout history, I'm not, I don't like that shit, right? So I'm not, I don't want that to continue. I don't want those things that continue happening in 2022. I think we're far past that. And I don't understand why these people are so shackled to this and like they feel like they, 
it's like they love being ruled by something you know what i mean so they're like they enjoy what to do yeah you know well we were watching house of the dragon which shout out to fucking hbo it's a great show right but after we watched this last episode last night i told my wife i'm like that's the same shit that's going on today Right? Yeah. It's just like less incest, right? You're not married. <laughs> <laughs> it's less yeah. incest, but it's the same stuff that's going on today. It's like, how do we further this line of elites? Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and, and I'm like, if we can't see it now, we're never going to see it. And, yeah. and like you said, now that my eyes are open, I'm, I'm thankful I'm in my 30s. I'm still young and I can make these connections. Like, that's not somewhere where I want to raise my kids. That's right. not somewhere where I want to teach them that those are the right things to do. Um, like I want to be in a place where, you know, those things aren't viewed as, is right. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. And like, yeah, all those things that you just said, and like, it goes back to like the, you know, raising my kids here as far as like, you know, I do, I like my house in my area. Yeah. It's great. And like the schools, it's it's good. I'm, I'm not complaining about those things. It just, the overall things like I saw, um, uh, six buzz i think yeah six buzz they just posted i think they post some some dumb shit some good shit too sometimes but they posted they say if you made like a million bucks a year in ontario yeah yeah i saw that one yeah you walk out after everything all your taxes you pay you walk out with 450 grand or something like that so i don't know if you saw the episode he was on rogan's well professor gad sad uh out of concordia i don't know if i saw that one okay so he's a canadian he's uh i I, I'm gonna fuck this up, but I think he's Iranian or um, one of those uh, Middle Eastern countries. Was he the guy that was like he he was a uh, like work with like he's an agent like or something like that? Or? No, 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 no. He was he's just a psychology professor at Concordia University. Okay, no, I, okay, right? I don't think but he's been on Rogan's show a few times and he's really super educated. Okay. And um, he he wrote a book. Uh, on his experiences of coming out of a war-torn country, um, coming back and making it here, right? And he put it the best way that I can say, because then it comes, you know, he got his publisher and the publisher takes a cut, right? But then he gets his nice big fat check and he's like, oh, finally I made it. Finally, after all these years of toiling, after all these years of, you know, lectures and professing and all this stuff, I've made it here is like the proof in the pudding the wealth that i can accumulate from the hard work and then comes tax season now he's got to pay his tax and he said he felt like he was raped right yeah. not in the sense like everyone's gonna be like, oh he's comparing this to fucking rape no you fucking <laughs> not yeah. in the sense that a man rape. does a stupid shit to a Rich. woman this is like a financial rape where yeah. he ended up he like he thought when he was holding his money and the fruitions of his labor, like this is, he's about, he, he can now put aside and invest in the property he wanted to. And because he, I think he mentioned he wants to move to the U S and, and, and retire there. By the time he signed that money over to the Canadian government, he, he felt raped. And it's not like it was, it was his experiences. They're taking his money that he made from writing about his own personal experiences like yeah. like the canadian government was there no they weren't just, <laughs> yeah. there's this oh those are your experiences you put them on paper okay i'll take a piece of that and that yeah. that that's what it feels like in ontario especially yeah 100 percent. and and i'm not against taxes i understand we have to pay yeah. taxes you know we need 
schools we need you know transportation we need roads we need all, all these things right yeah. so i'm i'm not against that at all but i think what they tax us on and what they continue to add more and more and more and the cost of living is going up and up and up but real estate is going up and up and up but people's wages are not going up nearly as high as that so they're just continuing to keep you down they want but literally like I said, I think the middle class is being wiped out completely and they're just, you're having the elite class, the high level class. And then all those middle class, like where I grew up, you know, they're just slowly fading down to it's going to be lower class. And I worry about my kids future because what are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like, well, they're going to be, they're going to be stuck, man. So that's another reason why I want out of Ontario, because I do feel it's, you know, it's the most taxed place in Canada. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we get what we pay for it. No. And one of the things, I only opened up my eyes to this when I started investing. It's like, say you buy a product at the store. The person who manufactured and all that kind of shit, they have to pay a tax to yeah. buy the materials. Yeah. And say you go to Loblaws to buy it. Loblaws have to pay a tax to the manufacturer to buy that. And then yeah. you have to pay a tax to Loblaws to buy that. And yeah. at the end of the fucking year, you still have to pay a tax. So you've been taxed on every single every, thing every yeah. single thing multiple times multiple times um which is probably 17 times the worth of the actual thing and yeah. we kind of go around not realizing this and then once you open your eyes to it you're like fuck that's yeah. the biggest scam ever and once you have housing you're playing land transfer tax and property tax and all these things that just continue to rise and go up and you know what like what what the fuck's the land transfer tax tell me that like what am i what am i I'm not taking the land and like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's it's just another thing like i said like it's just you know like a fishing license tax like they yeah. just there's before it was you know whatever it was nothing before and then you know i understand them implementing that but then now if there's tax i'm like it's just any way to gouge you they will and the problem i think that people like me and you see is like those tax dollars are not going to the schools yeah. they're not going to fix roads they're not going to that they're going to fund elites yes uh, that's my concern and every yeah. time every time they rip down an old hospital do they build a new one no no that's what i'm like the healthcare you want to talk about being a free healthcare and a socialist healthcare here in canada it sucks man it's brutal it's, ter you know? it's terrible it's terrible you know what it's great for it's great for one thing it's great for like you know my kid gets in a you know riding his bike falls and breaks his leg you know, I can get that taken care of. You know, it's covered as far as that. Or we get in a car accident and like it's, you know, that's fixed. I mean, emergency stuff. Yeah. But like right now, I'm trying to get my knee done. You know, um, I have, first of all, I have to get a referral from my family doctor, assuming I have one, which I do, thankfully. But yeah. go get a referral from this person. I have to book an appointment, wait a couple weeks to get in with them, get a referral, then send a referral to a surgeon. That takes, like everywhere I've been talking, like some of the early places without a hookup, it's like November. Right, so I gotta wait two months to get that, and then I gotta get a book, a surgery book, if I need that. It's gonna take another probably three, four months. So by the time I get after this knee, it's gonna be about seven, eight months almost. It's, it's gonna cost you fit, uh, money, right? That's money. Right? Yeah, exactly. And like, whereas, whereas you probably are, are heading down the line where you're like, well, how much does it cost? I'm willing to pay for it. Yeah, man, that's what I mean. It's like, like I went after my fight, I broke my nose, and um, you know, Bellator pays for anything thirty days after that happens in the fight, right? So I was yeah. like, you know, I'm just gonna get this fixed here, like, I'm just gonna reset anyway. So we went down. I, I walked in the the, the hospital. Um, they're like, yeah, we we set an appointment with an ENT the next day. So I was like, perfect. Go to the ENT. She's like, okay. She looked at it. She's like, okay, I'm gonna put you in surgery tomorrow. 
So in three days, I got yeah. all that taken care of. You know, where here I'd be waiting months. Months, yeah. And your nose would be stuck fucking shifted outside. <laughs> yeah. uh, so like, I, I know there's, there's again, there's cons to the, the private healthcare too. I get that. There's yeah. no, there's no, you know, utopia. Everything's perfect. I get it. But as far as what we're paying into this, it's not, you're not getting it back. I, I feel it's not. It's not worth it. No, and I'll give another example. And this one, this is where my eyes open to the healthcare problem was when my wife was pregnant with our second, she was at work and she slipped. She didn't fall, but her like leg slid, uh, leg slid from her because she's a hairstylist. So she like stepped on a piece of hair and it kind of slid. And then she mm. got a huge uh, pains in her stomach and in her, like her uterus area. So she calls me. She's like, dude, it's like fucking killing me. And I'm like, okay. So I, we have my daughter. She's only two. I fucking bundle her up. It's like, cold it's like november we go to the hospital and we're sitting there for about between six to seven hours in the emergency yeah. waiting for a doctor just to see her it ended up she was fine right it was just like uh, it was she stretched something it was just a little bit of pain she was fine but what are the what if she wasn't yeah. right what if she wasn't and i was sitting there for six seven hours about to lose my son right yeah. And I even went up to the nurse. I'm like, I'll pay a doctor to see her. Like, right. I will pay you 500 bucks just to come and tell me, you know, she's okay. Right. Yeah, but, right. Uh, but no, no, you can't do that. So, I'm and then, like, dude, and, and five and six, seven hours nowadays, it's like, that's like not even that bad compared to like, it's yeah. especially in the last few months. It's be, I've heard people waiting like 18 hours and shit. Yeah. And, yeah, which is it, crazy. And it's terrible, but I mean, we still hold on to this idea that it's the best way, and I don't think it is, right? And I think that, like you said, it has its place, uh, but we like this is where the problem where Canada is like so we're we're actually more egotistical than a lot of countries because we think because we've been doing it our way for so long, it's the best way, which it's not, right? And the the governments, and I'm not singling out a certain one because I think they're all very similar they don't want to fix these issues they put band-aid solutions on it um and like oh we'll give you free dental care that doesn't fucking solve what's going on in the hospitals right i'll pay i'll pay you to get my teeth fucking cleaned i don't need free fucking dental care i need people who need help to get help not necessarily me i don't care about me (laughs) no i i totally agree but even on that point of like all the money that we're paying into it with healthcare to have free healthcare, you don't even get dental, no. you know what I mean? yeah. which is the most expensive shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like a, a, a chiropractor or a, or a um, osteopath. Oh, that's just not covered. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's all health, you yeah. know? Um, so it's like, what the fuck? Or an eye doctor. Uh, it's health. Again, why is it not covered underneath? Well, they thing? were fighting for years. They had to go on a potential strike just to get oh, um, the government uh, Ontario government just to compensate a little bit more money, right, for the eye exams. Because I was going to get some medicals done, and I, I'm like, well, I have to pay 200 bucks for that test now. Why? And it's because they're like, well, they're not doing it with the government anymore because the government yeah. was cheaping them out. So it is what it is, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we've been shitting on the government for a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, it was a pleasure to do this with you. Thank you for uh, coming on the Grounds Media's podcast. But uh, let everybody know where they can reach out to you to reach out for your uh, cerebral championship services because I'll testify I've used them. It's helped me turn the corner on my mental issues. So Josh is really good. And I really highly recommend it. I'm not blowing smoke up his ass. I'm just 
literally stating facts. Um, <laughs> so tell them how they can get in touch with you with that. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, you can follow me uh, for for that at Cerebral Champion. Um, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and I have my website, uh, cerebralchampion.com. You can find me there, and then you can try and find me uh, <laughs> at, uh, at Gentleman J Hill on Instagram and uh, on Facebook. I don't have to go to myself. So. If you but tag, yeah. if you tag him, remember they say he's an extremist. He's an extremist. I'm an extremist. I'm a racist. I'm a right <laughs> freak. You know, he's, he's so racist. He's talking to a brown guy, right? He helped, <laughs> yeah, he, helped, right? he helped the brown guy get better humanely, right? <laughs> this must be racist. Uh, one more thing before we finish, I wanted to bring up is uh, the MMA community lost somebody really special last yeah. week. Um, and I knew him inside the cage, inside the, the gym. Uh, I didn't have a personal relationship outside the gym, but inside the gym, he was nothing but a stand up person. We're talking about Elias Theodoru. Uh, the Spartan. Um, unfortunately, like I thought it was when I first saw the news on Sunday night. I'm like, what? It was it was a joke, and then it it really hit me hard on Monday because uh, he's a great person, and yeah. um, the one thing I wanted to say is uh, please donate to his charity, the Theodoru Foundation. Uh, he that was one of his dying wishes to kind of get that going and to help people out with that same situation access to medical care and medical cannabis so please donate to that and i don't know if you have anything to say about elias and what he meant to you yeah man uh still still like a bit shocked with, with that man like it just when i heard i was like oh like like yourself i wasn't like super tight with elias like but like we trained many of the same gyms together we came up together uh with the score fighting series yeah uh, same time so we fought on cars together um and yeah just like super super nice guy you know what i mean i got you got along with everybody um and probably everybody always kind of says this when somebody passed away but like one of the most positive people yeah 100 he actually was you know like you, you would never see that guy like in a bad mood or shit on anybody he just he was always very positive and lighthearted and uh yeah man that one that one hit hard just um it sucks you know at the 34 years old um to, healthy ox he's an ox man yeah yeah. cardio king like whenever yeah. we train together i'm like fuck slow down Elias. like jesus yeah. christ <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, sure. uh, but uh you know uh, i hope that he rests easy and his family does well and if mm. we can we can help remember him by uh everyone donating to his cause and to keep his memory alive right yeah yeah man for sure couldn't have said it better 100 percent. all right anyway that's the end of this we got shit to do so let's get the fuck out of here but right, thank, thank you to Josh the Gentleman Hill. Find him if he's not shadow banned. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening to the Grinds My Gears podcast. Please head over to Spotify. Make sure you like and subscribe, as well as head over to YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and the like on the video as well. And head over to gmg-podcast.com to get all up to date info on the podcast as well as other special things that we have on that website.